Ho, 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 and welcome to our Christmas episode of Molding Masculinity. Um, we're going to dive into some cryptozoology and discover who Santa is. Or, more specifically, we're just going to talk about and unpack Santa. Um, I'm excited about this one. This one was Philip's idea uh, to actually properly introduce ourselves. I'm Tom McFarland. I'm here with Philip Sipe this week. Uh, as always, and we're going to unpack some elements of positive masculinity that exist in the traditions of Santa Claus. Uh, is that a pretty good summary? Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about like trying to find examples of positive masculinity in real life and in, um, you know, uh, media and mythos. Um, and certainly, um, given that we're recording this, you know, on the 19th, uh, less than, uh, of December, less than a week from Christmas, uh, it was on my mind, uh, Santa, which is obviously at the bit of the forefront, uh, as I have one kid who has just gotten to be kind of really old enough to like process the idea of the Santa mythos and one kid who is just about old enough to start really questioning, <laughs> uh the the whole santa thing uh and so um i've been i had been thinking a lot about you know the the function and role of of the character santa and the surrounding you know mythos around him and stuff and uh it occurred to me is like actually you know uh it isn't often discussed but um at least not that i've seen but uh you know, Santa Claus is a man, uh, and that isn't really um, talked about a lot. Uh, and so I thought it would be a really interesting conversation to have. Uh, I don't actually have any particular idea of where this conversation is going to go. Uh, more just uh, for me, at least for me specifically, this is going to be a bit of a uh, exploration of that uh, in, you know, like, how does Santa relate to masculinity and, and how, you know, uh, we think of and how, and how he affects how we think of uh, what it is to be a man and stuff. So. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's very valid. And I, um, in, in preparation for this, I kind of started diving into the history of Santa Claus. And I, I joke about the cryptozoology of Santa Claus, because I think um, if we were talking about many other topics, it, or I mean, like not we, but like, you know, in general, like society talking about many other topics, getting into Santa Claus would really quickly, you would run into a like, wow, there are corresponding stories in so many different cultures. This creature must be real and we need to find it out there because um, there is a really interesting paradigm where Santa Claus creeps up in so many different cultures. And I think part of that is that we see an element that exists in every culture that is something probably intended to be an aspect of positive masculinity like this positive role model kind of guy well you want to be like saint nicholas uh this philanthropic or just the, the good guy down the street who either makes toys for kids and then doesn't care about their economic means to purchase those toys or is actively giving away toys or other goods uh, to impoverished children, right? And it's like, it, 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 when you really boil it all the way down, it's this really fundamental, obvious kind of thing of good man gives away things to people who don't have things or the ability to acquire things. Bing. And then we've like aligned all of that to happen at the same time of the year. And because uh, we do this thing where I, it's something I've noticed uh, in my time traveling and, 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 you know, like traveling internationally is one of the things that happens really quickly when people meet each other from two vi wildly different cultures is you start talking about things that exist in your cultures. And then you immediately find where they like, Oh, we have to, we each have a similarity. And then you almost like try to, push those into alignment to be the same thing, right? And I think that's something that we've kind of globally done with Santa Claus. Um, in 
kind of creating this ethosphere of Santa Claus existing in all of these different cultures. And I think there's a lot to unpack there in that. I mean, like I, I was just telling you before the podcast began about how I just discovered how in a lot of pagan traditions of Yule, uh, you see this story of either Odin or another similar god to Odin riding an eight uh, hooved horse through the sky in midwinter on the great hunt um, where like it's like the idea of like rounding up things and goods for impoverished people and specifically children in the community. I mean, which and of course, in that case, like in, you know, old Yule old pagan pre-industrial traditions when we're talking about poverty we're talking about just people in the community who with less than other people in the community which is a thing that anytime you put together societies of people uh there's a certain amount of inequality that exists i also think there's a lot to unpack in what some of that means as we move forward and of course like a lot of modern traditions of santa claus and how that was commercialized how it's been industrialized and how a lot of modern depictions of santa claus you see this like guy who owns a factory in the north pole who creates toys with an elf workforce and delivers them to kids that is a little bit different than a lot of traditional stuff and says a lot about our pressure through the mid 20th century to normalize industrialization to children i mean like and and this is where i'm I, I might be going a little off the rails here and i apologize but you have this thing in the 1950s and moving onward of post-world war ii where we really put a lot of effort into normalizing kids to factories um and I don't mean like kids, I mean like adults, like, right? You know, you're taking kids, you're trying to normalize them to something, something that they're going to experience as adults. So you put kids into school, like schools changed in the mid 20th century and became not just about, you know, being in a one room schoolhouse and you're learning how to read, write, you know, you're, you know, you're reading, writing and arithmetic stuff. It started being this system of, bells and whistles and time clocks and needing to be in certain spaces at certain times having a management strata uh understanding authority and uh the difference between your teacher and a principal and a superintendent and all of this stuff started to come out of that that we pretty easily recognize is designed after industrialized systems and after factories and so you're kind of doing the same thing with Christmas and with Santa Claus. You're taking Santa Claus and saying, so Santa Claus has a factory on the North Pole. It's super cool. You would love to, like, work there and do all of this stuff in the elf factory. And it's a really pleasant, wonderful thing. And commercialized industry is wonderful and amazing. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because you can see that, like, um, you know, the, the introduction of uh the idea of sort of the factory environment for the elves um probably like the earliest um i think is like 1857 at least that i could find uh there's a harper's weekly published uh, harper's weekly poem called the wonders of santa claus um and um, says that Santa keeps a great many elves at work. Uh, this, is the, this is the quote from the poem, quote, keeps a great many elves at work, all working with all their might to make a million of pretty things, cakes, sugar, plums, and toys to fill the stockings hung up, you know, by the little girls and boys. You know, even that like 857 is certainly, you know, a good century before, uh, uh, you know, post-world war ii era but at the same time like it was it was um you know smack dab still and and people processing and understanding the industrial revolution and um you know at that time children working in factories or little you know was not uh, uncommon it was uh, uh very commonplace and you know it's 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 very interesting in this um transformation of the holiday into one that is focused primarily on gift giving how we have um you know 
had to contextualize Santa Claus as a factory owner because it uh, it's like people this this gets into the idea of like capitalist realism like the idea that like people can't even imagine existing in a non-capitalist frame uh you get people who are like it's it's been established as the hegemony for so long that like even the idea of like okay like we have a magical man who can transcend time and space to deliver toys individual single-handedly to every child in the world on one night and yet to make all of those toys it's not the the, the very easy thing to be like oh well he's magic he magically conjures the toys and like has them he's like a mythical figure that appears once every year or something like that seems like really easy um but yet what's the what's the thing that the brain like even creative brain reaches out to it's like oh uh there must be some massive industrial sort of process that goes into making that and santa must therefore be at the head of that process there it must be organized in this like santa's the boss the elves are the workers they create this thing and it's like it, it seems so obvious and so like like it couldn't be any other way because um you know that whole uh the whole cultural expectation is that everything exists in that relationship um you know it's always a you know there's always a leader that leader is always running some sort of industrial sort of process or or, or creating products and, and running a factory that kind of thing you know, I, I feel like there's been some active processing culturally, the tension there, because Santa Claus, the character, is extraordinarily uh, happy and kind and giving and stuff. And that, and I think that there's been an obvious thing in, in, in modern Christmas culture and movies and stuff like that of trying to process how someone can have what is essentially... Uh, uh like not not to make it overly controversial but like a slave force um you know it's never like it's not like okay so this is not a real thing right like it's a it's a myth so like there's a a degree of like um it's not like we're taking a real thing and analyzing and saying like aha santa has slaves therefore santa's canceled it's more like um okay given that this is the mythos like now we have to process this idea of like and you can see it in movies of like oh well the elves are actually like it's, it's like they're born to do it which has this like weird sort of like geneticist angle to it of like <laughs> that's not that's a little bit uncomfortable and then some of it's like oh well he actually pays them it's not like a thing it's like well okay but like like that opens up other questions like where do they spend their money like like there's all kinds of um uh, interesting processing that has been going on in the in the modern era I feel like of the elves and how that relates to Santa and there's a lot of interesting interpretations of that um, but certainly there does seem to be this this inherent tension of like this this Santa character who is like very kind and all that stuff seems to it the the very having of the relationship of boss to worker or owner to worker or slave or whatever seems to inherently contradict with that which i think is actually a really interesting insight because like it feels like everyone kind of intuitively understands like yeah this whole elf thing needs some explanation but uh it's not quite no one quite puts a pin in it and saying like actually you know it's actually the the reason that we feel uncomfortable with this is the relationship of uh, of boss to the workers feels contradictory with someone who is the embodiment of giving and kindness which and is we, something that i think people should unpack a little bit more yeah it, it, and here's something more we have an author in current times who writes young adult fiction and is famous or infamous rather for having unprocessed opinions about things 
who I think has picked this up and accidentally processed it on text for it to be processed on screen in a concept of elves who do all of the service for magical beings with long beards who live in castles in isolated spaces, and this being the house elves of Harry Potter. If you really look at the two things there, it feels like an accidental class analysis of... And, and, and I, I think these kind of accidental analyses kind of come from when you don't really, as a society, take a look at something. You're going to get some accidental analyses in, 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 in literature. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot to look at in saying that. Of like, I feel like that almost came accidentally from like, so you start writing these elves who do all of the service and all of the work for people. And you start realizing like, wait. I mean, and, and there's a similarity that happens in this with Star Wars, where Star Wars wrote droids, which are not a like living being, but still they exist in that universe as these droids who do all of the work for everybody. And there becomes this thing where expanded universe writers start writing on it, or, you know, in the case of, of, of Harry Potter, the, the writer starts writing on it and starts taking that to its natural conclusion. That is to say, you have a workforce of unpaid laborers who are born to do the work, who are going to get fed up with this shit and have a revolution eventually. And you get that in Solo and in early Star Wars books. And you get that in Harry Potter and the sort of revolution of the house elves. Um, sorry, I took us off on a tangent there, but I just I think there's an interesting instances of that being kind of accidentally processed in our society yeah for sure um it, it's a it's an important aspect because i think it shows that like you know you know we come we come to the table um trying to understand santa claus the person and how he relates to masculinity and you know an inevitable part of you know who he is and how we relate to him is in his relationships with other characters within the mythos um i mean and that's that's how we understand ourselves as well to some degree is we understand ourselves as how we relate to the other people in our lives and i think that's important is that like you know um when we're looking at a character we want to say like okay this is uh you know this person is sort of in in the purest sense by definition uh jolly and kind and giving and and warm and and all these great things and then um it, it's very similar to um you know dodging dodging the whole the whole uh theism question you know it's uh not getting into the arguments about whether or not there is or isn't a god or any of that nonsense but like the it's very similar to how people wrestle with like god as a thing that they relate to in that like you know god is also similarly defined as like all these really good things and we want to see the things that we associate with those traits those positive traits reflected in their behavior in the stories that we have about them and you know i think similarly i know like uh when i used to be a christian and a lot of christians that i know today you know, a big part of their spiritual uh, journey is wrestling with the definition of God as, you know, being, you know, sort of all good or at least like maximally good or whatever. And some of the stuff they read in the Bible in the same way, I think we struggle with, you know, this sort of definitionally good Santa Claus and some of the behaviors and relationships that he has with like say elves that it's like huh that doesn't uh that 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 isn't re as reflective of the goodness and kindness as maybe we used to think or uh even i used to think you know um and so i think actually you know uh it's an important thing to analyze not just him because like as a mythological character who is like, you know, a borderline deity, um, 
there's only so much you can get like you know there's, there's interesting interpretations of him as a character uh certainly uh but as a cultural entity um is difficult to unpack because um he's not exactly one thing he's not like a real person uh and so like uh we kind of understand him almost best from the actions and stuff that we see in the mythological stories that we have yeah i i I agree and and i kind of for myself to put a bow on this one of the things that or i mean on this single aspect is that for me one of the things that actually kind of broke my belief in santa as a kid were and I, I don't know if it would be fair to say it completely broke it but it started fracturing it where i was like i don't know if i believe in santa was this push for the industrialized santa model because my dad worked in a toy factory when i was that age and so obviously i got a lot of like little ty- my dad worked at a little tykes factory and so of course i got a bunch of little tyke stuff for christmas now you would assume i would immediately think oh dad got this from work um which i you know pretty quickly eventually did get there but i i definitely remember early on as a kid just thinking well but if santa's making little tykes santa doesn't have a little tykes factory so clearly this is coming from the little tykes factory where my dad works so santa's getting it from there so it's not the elves making the toys it's my dad why is the, and, and and again this is where like the magical santa idea works so much better because it would have like to me as a kid i would have been like yeah no santa magically gets toys that my dad made at work and uh everybody else gets them that's awesome but as soon as it started having to be this thing where santa has a factory i was like confused like wait there's holes in this mythos this doesn't make sense uh that being said, changing gears and talking about the more positive elements of the more mythos of, of Santa Claus and getting away from the kind of modern uh, thing that Santa has become in advertising, I think there's a lot to unpack of good, ma- good positive masculine elements of Santa Claus. Uh, and, and I think there is a reason that Santa pops up or a form of like gift giving jolly uh, masculine person pops up in so many cultures because fundamentally it is good to give to the most vulnerable people of your community and most society most cultures we recognize children as being the most vulnerable people in our community it's the most immediate like yeah if somebody's giving things to kids that's fantastic and we don't put any other buts attached to that right like when we talk about uh the you know the act of giving to adults there's often a certain amount of buts that we end up wanting to put on that as a society wrongly uh wrongly so or otherwise and I think we're less prone to that with kids. Um, and part of this is like, you know, this has even came up in a conversation I had with a friend recently where they were not super hot about the idea of like Toys for Tots programs. And then essentially they felt like kids would be like impoverished kids would be better served by getting food and direct services than getting toys toys aren't a necessity of life if you're like impoverished you need the necessities of life not toys and i think i I directly deeply disagree with that argument and and i say this coming from having lived in times of need at times in my life um but especially for kids, especially for kids. One of the things that poverty does to children is it robs your childhood from you. It forces you to be an adult younger, and it takes away your enjoyment of life and your ability to enjoy things like toys and playtime and all of that kind of stuff. It it robs that from you. And so giving toys to children, especially children of an in an at need environment 
is critically important and is 100% a part of their necessary, like, life needs. It's a part of development. Like, playtime for children isn't just a re recreational activity. It is a part of development. It's necessary. There's also... Yeah, in an... fact, we've had um, um, some laws passed in Oklahoma about um, allowing at least some of the early... Um, grades, uh, I think at least kindergarten and pre-K to do like, you know, play-based curriculums. Um, I think like even the education world is starting to really understand the value um, of play, not merely as, you know, oh, it's important for kids to be able to enjoy life, which it is true. I agree with all of that. But uh, I think we're um, also beginning to understand that um, play has benefits beyond uh, mere relaxation or enjoyment and actually is a very important part of educational development as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think that the, the it's, it's certainly the biggest and most obvious feature of Santa is the givingness of two people who are vulnerable, um, specifically children. It, it's actually sort of interesting because um, a lot of the, um, if you, if you uh, I, I like to watch Christmas movies um, around Christmas with uh, kids and stuff. And a really interesting feature of, um, that has been coming up in some of the things that I've watched is, um, you know, certainly the relationship between Santa Claus, who is sort of the embodiment of giving, and children is is uncomplicated. Um, people don't generally go like, uh, you know, other than like certain libertarian types, uh, people don't typically go like, hum, it's not good for kids to get free toys. It, I think that what's really interesting is seeing how we process Santa as he has relationships to adults. That's one of the things that the Christmas movies often have to wrestle with in that like, um, you know, certainly there are movies in which like, you know, it's a whole operation and it's done completely in secret and that stays true from beginning to end of the movie and no adults even know about it. But um, there are certain, certain, certainly some movies uh, like um, the Santa Claus, uh, the movie with uh, Tim Allen as Santa, where he, yeah, is a real person who lives in the real world, um, interacts with other adults, interacts with the legal system, it has a divorce, like this is a human being who exists and has and is transformed into a this sort of mythical figure but still continues to live his regular day-to-day -day life for the most part and uh it's really really interesting seeing like when you make this kind of mythical character real in that way where they have adult relationships like a divorce and um romance and um, a relationship with grown-ups who have up until the point that they realize it like not believed in Santa for years there's this sort of um, interesting thing where um, it's almost like a trauma processing in a weird way of like people who go and they and they like uh the santa claus does this right like some of the main characters end up like sharing like when they stopped believing and why and um you know there's this sort of like interaction with santa as a as a sort of return back to this sort of like childhood wonder moment of like oh um you know, you, you, this is real, you know, like it's a real thing. Uh, and, and processing all of that and how that relates to the fact that this person they know is there. And it's not super well explored in the movie. So I'm not, uh, don't, don't go into the Santa Claus thinking you're going to get like a really deep, interesting look into like how like uh, Santa relates to adults, but it, it certainly, um, 
it certainly puts a more hard edge to the character in the sense of like how what does it look like as an adult relates to an adult for someone to be all giving um and 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 super kind and nice because you know giving toys to kids is easy how you do the same thing for grown-ups is hard i agree and i think another excellent example of this is miracle on 34th street um which again santa has a very complex and interesting relationship with adults in that movie and and now it's been a minute since i've seen that movie so forgive me if i get some things wrong but for the most part in that movie he kind of in the beginning becomes i mean well he's existing in like reality and among people unknown right he's just being himself as santa claus but nobody knows that he's santa and he's like in manhattan and doing stuff and has to live and exist and it's kind of like a what if santa was among us thing and at first he's seen because he is extremely honest generous and like positive jolly good per he's a good person and there are some positive reactions to that that cause him to be a it 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 ignites the profit motive of Macy's right so they realize like ooh there's a way we can profit off of this guy he's doing a thing that is very beneficial for us this person is really good and the moment he stops being that the moment he's no longer profitable for them or uh, seen as somebody who is generating productivity. They turn against him. He's a crazy old man. We need to sue him. He is a bad person. He's, you know, these kind of things. And it's that, like, then it's, uh, like, it's exploring kind of the way we look at a lot of the actual real-life characters in real life who do good, generous, wonderful things like this. The actual positive uh, figures of all of these, you know, char character figures who do this kind of stuff. We tend to do this exact thing. We love what they're doing. And then until the moment we don't see them as productive anymore. And that's really what that movie is kind of trying to explore. Is like, okay, well, like, you know, if you don't see somebody as productive, what does that, like, you know, the way you then treat them, what does that mean for how we treat good people in our society? Uh, and I think there's a lot to unpack with that that is uh, uncomfortable for a lot of folks to unpack that then also speaks to how we feel about giving towards adults because we do often don't want to give to adults because well adults should be productive and should provide for themselves and i think that just kind of is a feedback loop back into that same thing of how santa is treated in america on 34th street yeah for sure <clears throat> um there was there's an example of santa that I really like, and I think is actually a really, really interesting exploration of the masculinity of Santa in particular in um, the movie, Arthur Christmas. This is one that my kids really like, and it's an animated movie, um, somewhat recent, I guess it's, at this point it's about 10 years old, but um, it's a really um, fascinating one because um, it doesn't struggle so much with the relationship of um, Santa to other humans, uh, certainly not other adults or even really other kids, um, but almost in a way Santa with himself uh, uh, in, uh, across generations. Because in the movie, uh, Santa here is not a um, eternal mythical figure. He is in fact a mantle passed down from generation to generation uh in a family uh and so like you know in the movie there's the retired guy who's like really old and is a little bit senile there's the current santa who's like old and reaching retirement age and there's his two sons who um you know uh one is the oldest and sort of expected to be the next santa and one's kind of like younger and um you know it's interesting because like it's it's a little bit of a struggle during the whole movie in uh like i i, I want to not necessarily give away you know tons of plot points or whatever but like there there's a there's a whole uh 
tension in the operation of um you know trying to keep the operation hidden and it's very like professionalized and like uh you know it's got a military almost aesthetic to it uh certainly the elves have a very obvious military aesthetic to them um they go around in a you know sleigh that's essentially like a giant spaceship um and um it's it's this enormous like highly coordinated operation and um one of the big struggles is the fact that um you know the the oldest son who has sort of been a uh been a part of like you know furthering this process is very good at the operational execution of the christmas mission as it were um but lacks the sort of heart behind it uh and you know he's been preparing his whole life to be santa type of thing and then the younger one is the one that like you know in the end like even though he's not as into like you know all the operational you know craziness of it all he is like he's really concerned of like um you know hey uh we're not we're this kid's not going to get a gift like that's a big tension in the movie is like uh we have to get we have to do that like she can't not get a gift for christmas can you imagine and like that's his thing and they're you know like and the thing is like well you know we're gonna reveal all this stuff we're gonna you know there's all these operational problems with it and you know he personally sacrifices all kinds of stuff to try to get her her christmas gift and it's kind of like through that process that they realize it um which i think is really interesting because it it's kind of getting into that like um what's important about santa claus is it the execution of the holiday or is it the intent and the feeling behind the holiday this movie kind of comes down the feeling and intent side which i think is good um but also interestingly you get to see during this whole process the interplay across generations and you know there's a very clear and and uh i established like difficulty of the current santa relating to his two sons in in this in an emotional way and you know having been so caught up with work essentially that he didn't really sit down and appreciate either of them for who they are or what they were contributing and stuff and like there's like a really interesting uh exploration of uh santa as a sort of dad um that i think is like really cool um not generally seen in a lot of stuff uh and you know is is a really um it's a really cool thing and I, i'm struggling to talk about it a little bit because I, I would encourage people to go watch it because i think it's actually like really good um but uh, i don't want to spoil it for people but it, it's it you really get to see um sort of this it, it feels a little bit almost like uh an internal struggle uh in that like santa trying to figure out like what is the core of the identity of santa uh you know as as the modern pressures and the increased population and all that stuff you know continue to to strain the limits of this operation and it becomes more crystallized and formalized and almost militaryized uh and you know there's this sort of sense of this process of of modernization has the risk at the very least of losing its heart of becoming the form without the substance and it's a really um very very uh very very interesting movie yeah and that's very interesting and and i think it speaks a lot also to the evolution of santa across cross-culturally as you look at like santa at one point to santa now and especially of course as like a lot of folks will recognize is that during the 20th century santa claus became a powerful tool for advertising and so you see this commercialization of santa across the 20th and 21st century and like one of the things that i kind of 
miss is something I see in a lot of earlier 19th, 20th century representations of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas is this idea of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas as a craftsman, as the, as as a person who is either making things himself or is directly like leading the making of things and is directly crafting really neat, interesting things and then also it being touched with to, to food, right? And of course, this is something that kind of makes more sense when we think about like, you know, 18th, 19th century uh, being a little more, uh, you know, kids getting candy for Christmas being more of an exciting thing than it would be to kids now. But it also being this kind of crafted item, this these crafted goods that are, oh, it's something special that Santa made. And you see this also corresponding because in a lot of those times, and especially when we're looking at like 18th, 19th century again, a lot of the things that people are getting for Christmas are things that the people who gave the gift had to make. And it's, I, I see it, an element of it that I would suspect is almost even like, a, you know, you want to make something for somebody, but you don't want it to be a big deal where like, you know, they feel like they have to give it a certain amount of compliment and stuff because like, you know, they're, they're a, criticizing your craftsmanship or in other words and it being like oh santa crafted this thing for you uh you don't have to thank me i don't have to deal with the fact that i'm not good at receiving uh compliments santa gave that to you and uh and just in general like i see that as more wholesome and delightful than like the santa has a factory that's pushing out little tykes products or you know, just all of the kind of commercialized element of Santa now, which also now leads to there being some problems with a lot of like Santa mythos stuff, which is like where, you know, we, we talk a lot about now today about like, don't give your kid a PlayStation 5 and say it came from Santa because then your kid's going to go to school and tell all the other kids about how Santa brought them a PlayStation 5 and kids whose parents can't afford a PlayStation 5 are going to feel like they fucked up with Santa, especially when we like, you know, one of the things that is a problem here is like attaching the good, bad element to this of like, oh, if you were bad, you're going to get bad. You're not going to get a good gift. If you're good, you're going to get a good gift. And it then therefore also reinforces like um, uh, prosperity gospel almost for kids of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if you're good, you're going to get expensive, cool PlayStation 5s and Wii Nintendos you know yeah we specifically did it uh you know re scaled back like we made it so that santa does like the stockings in our family and not like the main series of gifts for essentially this reason like i was a huge uh realization for me like i remember getting um having having the thought I, not at the time i was i was too excited to open it but like later having the thought of like it is kind of weird that like seeing that got me like a sega genesis i wonder how like the sega company feels about that you know, I was like thinking of like, like, surely they'd like, like to sell more things and uh, kids getting this for free. Maybe I mean, like my thought was like, maybe he has a relationship with them. Like maybe he like buys some amount of them. And then like, you know, like I, I was a kid. I wasn't like thinking through it, like very thoroughly. It was more just like a, like that was a crack that appeared in the thing for me was getting a Sega Genesis for Christmas because of exactly that kind of thing. It's like, and Elf even poke the movie Elf even poke, pokes fun of that uh, at the beginning if you're paying attention uh, when they're going through the sort of montage of the, all the ways that like Buddy the Elf as a human doesn't fit into Elf society. Uh, you know, one of the things they do is like uh, is they're all in a class and they're like, all right, uh, before we move on to our section on how to make the latest in uh, graphic chipset processors, like. Who wants to uh does anyone have any questions and like you're like okay i get it yeah we're, we're making the joke that like you know elves have to like be up to date on like modern computer part making in order to continue like it's it's funny um but uh and i recognize that it's only a joke or whatever but like uh there is a certain element of like uh you know uh it, it's 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 always funny when you like laugh at that and then your kid's like why is that funny <laughs> And you're like, oh, I can't really explain that to you, bud, without uh, shattering something for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we intentionally scaled back. So like most of the presents come from uh, my wife and I to them. 
and then stockings which are filled with like small toys and candy but even then like sometimes they're like you know it's like uh some star wars collectible or something and then they're like you know like you still think like well i mean like the same to have the intellectual property right to star wars but like you're not gonna get a bunch of you're not gonna make a, a bunch of handmade toys you know like yeah yeah uh it, I don't, no one has time for that so <laughs> is santa an intellectual property pirate <laughs> <laughs> right uh good uh it's interesting you bring up the santa as uh, craftsman type of thing there's actually another movie that i really like that explores this angle specifically and that it brings it down to a sort of like um it's almost uh, you could almost make the argument that it's not even Santa in a um, in a pure sense uh, is the movie Klaus from, that was released on Netflix, which is a really good one. Um, I really enjoyed it, at least. Um, and it's certainly a very different sort of um, interpretation in that, like, um, it's sort of like a, a, a precursor to Santa. I believe that, like... Um, uh, eventually, like the eponymous character, uh, you know, who's already old when the movie begins, like, uh, you know, years later, his spirit is still delivering toys or whatever. But like, um, you know, initially, he's just like, uh, he's like this reclusive woodsman who has a big long white beard and wears a big heavy fur coat, but it's like brown and he looks like a woodsman. And uh, like, there's this whole, um, um process where the the main character is trying to like you know create like a branch of the post office in this like little town and like is trying to figure out how to get people to start using it and why it's valuable and all the stuff and people are skeptical of it and uh you know he runs into this guy finds out that this guy makes toys and comes up with a um basically a scheme that like if the kids write letters to santa requesting toys and mail it <laughs> using postage uh that he delivers it and then they come like santa mails them back a toy and like it's a sort of thing to get the people into using the post office but also like ends up being this thing that like uh becomes this huge thing of uh, this this woodsman named klaus who um you know was most like you know making these and, and the reason he's making these toys to begin with why they all existed why so many of them were already made was but uh was actually very sad uh in the movie um he's married uh and they had made all these toys in anticipation of having children but um uh it, they weren't able to uh something was wrong and they uh and his wife died from an illness and he's been alone with all these toys in the house like and like it's this sort of it's actually like a very beautiful movie because like the whole process of giving these toys away to the kids of the village and stuff is a sort of like processing of the death of his wife and the loss of his imagined family and like extending that out to make it you know like it, it's it's a it's a great 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 movie um it was made a couple of years back um but it's a really interesting exploration because like this is the closest that santa in media ever gets that i've seen to being like just a regular guy who has gone through some shit who has dealt with some stuff and makes something beautiful out of um you know sort of like takes his struggle and and has and finds a way through his relationship with this male guy and and all this stuff to um make something beautiful out of his sadness um and i think there's a really important part of of uh, positive masculinity and that specifically in that like one thing i really like about him is that he is um he is kind and and he does like sort of like reflect the santa claus character but not in a way that it feels like he's sort of magically imbued with these traits and he can't help but be it it's a guy who who has uh have and starts the movie <laughs> uh every reason to be isolated and alone and and you know rejecting things and who has been hurt by disappointment in his life and all that stuff and does in fact start the movie that way and then comes to sort of like transforms and and improves himself and becomes 
like the character of Santa Claus and that he spends a lot of time making these sort of nice, unique toys for children and doing a good thing and, and turning his craft into something that brings a lot of joy to the world. Um, and, and, and in doing so also faces and processes his pain and does so in a way that is productive and healthy and, and benefits not only the people that he makes the toys for, but also himself as he sort of opens himself back up emotionally uh, in a very real sense. He goes from being an isolated wood, woodsman to being this very important figure uh, to everyone in the village. Uh, and I think there's a lot of like, you know, stuff that we've talked about in that like, you know, the transformation of this character is a transformation of him having a lot of reason to sort of embrace um, this sort of lone wolf archetype that um, a lot of toxic masculinity gets attached to and realizing that that hurts and it sucks and it's not good for him and becoming a new thing that is warm and giving and helpful and open and emotional and this stuff. And I really, really like this um, particular depiction because I think almost more than any other one, it really does, you really can see the, the sort of various aspects, both the existing ones and the, the new ones of like masculinity um, that he goes through in the movie. This that, that sounds fantastic. And it sounds like exactly like a huge element of my own identification of positive masculinity that I'm never quite able to put a pin on how to describe or what to like label it. And that is my dad's representation of positive masculinity for me. Like, you know, the, the elements of my dad that I try to reflect in my own life because I think that they represent positive masculinity. I try to reflect them in my own identity, I guess I would say, more than just my life. Um, and that is a lot of that. Like, my dad is also a isolated, uh, <laughs> uh, rough, gruff, uh, woodsman-type guy. Um, in, in, in fact, as he gets older, looks more and more like Santa. He's a, a heavy-set uh, extremely bearded guy and that extremely beardedness is turning more and more white, making him look more and more, uh, eventually he's going to be there in a Santa type of look. Um, and, and he, uh, is no longer able to work. Um, hasn't been for several years, uh, because of some disabilities, but he absolutely will not stop. He won't like, you know, it, it is a constant frustration in the family of just trying to get him to calm down and stop, you know, doing things because he part of it is that he feels a, a, a drive that a lot of folks do to he has, he's driven to need to feel productive and he wants to do positive, good things in his community. And he, uh, you know, like he will during the winter months, he is constantly out cutting wood. And part of that is because he himself has wood heat. Also, part of it is that in the rural town that he lives in, a lot of other people have wood heat. And a lot of those folks often can't afford wood. And so he will cut wood and just drop it off at people's houses. Like he and, and it's like, you know, kind of an annoyance of like, don't do work for people for free. But from his perspective, it's not him doing work. It's he recognizes that people need need a thing and he does everything in his ability to fulfill that need. And there's no other there's nothing to it outside of that. It's just, hey, I have free time. People need things. I'm going to do things for people. And, and he's, he echoes that in other things that he does in life, too, where it's just kind of a constantly like, where's dad at? Well, somebody said that, like, you know. The, the the lady down at Casey's who works at Casey's was saying that her washer wouldn't work and he's been spending the past two days trying to fix her washer. Uh, he doesn't even know her. Well, no, but he knows that she can't afford anybody to come out and fix it and doesn't know how to do it herself. So that's what he's doing. Um, that's something that he has done my whole life and that that kind of... Uh, yeah, that I don't even know how to put a pin in how to call that an element of positive masculinity, but it just is. It's 
it, it's a thing that I identify as that, and I want to reflect it in my own identity, and I want to be more like that. And it sounds to me like that. Well, and I, you know, when we, the moment you mentioned Santa Claus, it kind of popped into my head of like, yes, in a lot of ways, Santa Claus is the popular, uh, uh, like the, the the design of that. Um, and you just in the description of that movie, you just put the exact pin on kind of how that how I reflect that. So, yeah. Yeah, I I love it. I think like uh, if you have Netflix subscription, you should go. It's a Netflix movie. So you should just go watch Klaus. Uh, I think it's still on there. It's it was only made two years ago and they generally don't take things down that they made that are original. So if you are the kind of person who uh, cringes at like the typical Christmas movies of like, you know, like, um, you know, that are all like, oh, you got to believe in Santa Claus. And, uh, you know, we got to, you know, do like, that's all very like um, into sort of like, uh, like, uh, I, I think of like the Hallmark Christmas movies, you know, in particular being uh, like this, like very campy and very into the holiday aesthetic. Um, this is not that klaus is absolutely not like that um at all really um I, I wouldn't even say except in like the occasional thing here or there uh certainly like during the movie they celebrate christmas at some point so like decorations go up and stuff of course like uh, I, I won't i won't pretend like it's like free of <laughs> of christmas <laughs> aesthetic that would be ridiculous but um certainly it is not focused on that as a um as a as a main feature of the movie so like i i i think it's really really good um yeah yeah i i think we've kind of wrapped up our topic on santa claus um uh, I, I I still uh, prefer to think of Santa Claus rather than a mythical ther- th- character uh, as a cryptozoological character. Uh, we haven't found him yet, but uh, Santa is a concept that exists in many cultures. Uh, if there are any elves listening, I would like to say that uh, you have nothing to lose but the chains that bind you. And uh, <laughs> if you have 3D printers... Uh, you can find directions on how to make machine guns. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Please don't shoot Santa if he's actually a good person. Um, uh, but maybe, no, no. <laughs> maybe have a, maybe, a, maybe go for the like negotiation route first. <laughs> I mean, if, if he keeps you enslaved, I mean, like that's a whole different tone. But like, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I can be John Brown for Santa Claus's elves, like this is this is the way I'm comfortable with it going down. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but uh, uh, but no, no. On, on a serious note, like I think we've uh, unpacked a lot of like kind of the positive math, like the positive. There are like because I think I think especially on the left, we have a tendency to want to kind of throw away Santa Claus right immediately because like it is extremely a concept that is extremely commercialized. And as we have talked about in us has some like, you know, pockets of problematic ideology wrapped in it. But I think there is something there that is very worth unpacking and recognizing the positive elements of. And I think that very much reflects the whole purpose of this podcast, taking masculinity and trying to peel away all of its onion-like layers and find the good elements of that that we can incorporate into what we want to do in this lifetime. Because unlike the cryptozoological creature that is known as Santa Claus, we are not immortal. Yep. Um, anything you would like to add uh, before we roll out for the uh, holidays? Uh, you know, a very important uh, element of the positive masculinity of Santa Claus is kindness uh, and warmth. And uh, I certainly know that that can be a struggle uh, depending on your relationship with family and um your relationship with the holiday of Christmas itself. Um, but, um, you know, try 
to uh, choose kindness, uh, be warm. You know, the the reality is is that um, you know no one is hurt uh, by people choosing to be kind to each other, um, and so. Um, if nothing else, uh, try to reflect that aspect of Santa Claus in your holiday this year. Um, and, um, you know, I'd be really interested to hear what, you know, what people think about this conversation. If you have uh, depictions of Santa Claus that you really like, uh, or you have um, ideas or your own relationship with the, with the, concept or mythos or the Christmas holiday or any of that, um, feel free to, to share it on our podcast Facebook page. Uh, I'd love to hear what people, um, how people relate to this thing, um, especially um, as it um, relates to uh, masculine identity, or even if it's not, you know, just um, it's, a, it's an interesting character to wrestle with for sure. Agreed. Uh, also, if you have any grainy photographs of Santa Claus or stories of abductions by Santa Claus, please share those with us. Um, or with the Institute of Cryptozoologically, Cryptozoology, you know, have have a wonderful holidays, uh, whichever those may be. I'm, I'm just dropping that bit. I, I couldn't pronounce the thing I was trying to say, so I'm moving on. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, have a wonderful holidays. Uh, be kind to everyone out there. Um, it you know the holidays are a tough time for a lot of folks. Uh, um, it, it's yeah, it's you know it's not the cheeriest time for everybody. Uh, be kind. Be uh, knowing in your kindness. You know, try to be empathetic towards others. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, or whatever time of day it may be. Thank you.